Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. This week's podcast is presented by Ticketmaster. Ticketmaster has more tickets to more games, shows, and events than any place else and provides the most safe and transparent fan experience. That's because Ticketmaster only sells verified tickets backed up by official partnerships which means they are all real and you will never get fake tickets. Head to Ticketmaster.com slash NHL to score verified tickets to this year's 2016-17 NHL season. That's Ticketmaster.com slash NHL. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Welcome back to the show after a one-week layoff. This is Biscuits. A hockey podcast. I am Dave Lozo, a hockey podcaster. And I am Sean McIndoe, also a hockey podcaster. Yeah, we got a, we got a lot to cover. We got a lot to cover this week. We had a full week off. A lot of stuff happened, and uh, we're going to get to that right now. Sean, how are you? I am good. I am well. Uh, I uh, enjoyed the break last week. Like, us Canadians, we appreciate that you guys have your own kind of weirdo midweek Thanksgiving where you serve up <laughs> a bunch of football games and... Uh, and, and we all have like less work to do in, in that. So thank you for that. We're all very, very thankful. Uh, I, our, ho- our holidays are great too, because like for our Christmas, we play a bunch of NBA games that you guys can watch for, you know, even though it's not your Christmas at that time, right? Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. And actually, since the last time we've been on, uh, we should take a minute to congratulate Sean because his, uh, years and years of frustration are over because finally, um, a team from Ontario, a sports team, won a championship. So uh, congratulations to, to Sean on his CFL title there with the Ottawa, Ottawa All Caps Red Blacks. Yeah. So it's Ottawa Red Blacks. Exactly. So that's, that, that's how it's pronounced. So yeah, is, is how's the city doing? What's the property damage looking like? It's there? oh man, I mean the it was crazy. Uh, there was uh, no there there was absolutely no reaction of no, of any nothing. like nothing like nobody takes to the streets and riots and that sort of thing up here there's uh it, they it, it was a big deal people were excited little kids at my kids school were wearing jerseys and red and black colors and high-fiving each other so it was neat uh and then there was a parade on tuesday and we had freezing rain and i don't know if anybody there was wanted. a parade already wow oh yeah oh, you guys move quickly up there it's the cfl man these these guys have jobs to get back to <laughs> Like they all have to be back at work on Wednesday, so yeah, we we move quick. Is that is that the team with the old guy, the the Henry Burris kid? That is, yeah. Henry, Henry Burris plays for the Red Blacks. It's, I mean, there there are like four CFL quarterbacks that have just been rotating around the league for the last twenty years, and like at some point, it's going to go on long enough that we're all going to realize it's some sort of Westworld thing, and you know, like. <laughs> But yeah, no, Henry, Henry it's, Burris. It's boring and nobody understands it. Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. How did Doug Flutie do this year? Is he any good? You know what? Doug Flutie uh, probably could still throw 40 <laughs> touchdowns in the CFL. I wouldn't doubt that for a second if he ever wanted to come back. Well, but he, he could throw 40 touchdowns, but he'd throw like 35 and then get bored and start trying to do drop kicks and other weird <laughs> CFL rules to, to score points. Well, speaking of weird things, a lot of things happened while we were off, and we're, we're not going to get to all of them, but um, we had our first coach firing. Gerard Gallant was fired on, was it Sunday? Sunday night, they just left him on the side of the road there in Raleigh, North Carolina, which is not the worst place to get left, by the way. I mean, there's probably a Chick-fil-A that's right, right close by. You can go in there and get some spicy chicken. You can get some good stuff, but um, they decided that after a record regular season and a start that had them two points out of the wild card with like 60 games to go, they said, you know what? This this guy this guy doesn't get math. This guy's a this guy isn't a nerd like us, and they 
fired him, Sean. They fired him for no good reason. It's it, it, that it was a surprise. Like we talked, even probably in the episode two weeks ago, about who was going to be I the know. coach who was going to get fired. And I, I don't think I brought the Panthers up as a possibility. I don't remember if you did, but uh, we, we talked about we talked about like what a weird a weird one would be. And my mine was Bill Peters for Carolina. Like I never that's right. I never thought. Yeah, it was somebody be. even asked us that like set that question up perfectly for us and was like, give us an unexpected hot seat and we and, blew it. Uh, and we blew it because nobody really saw this coming. But I guess in hindsight, it makes sense in hindsight because clearly what was happening here is you had this new management group come in, you had this new philosophy come in, and they kept the coach, not surprisingly, given the season he was coming off of, and I guess they must have felt like this wasn't a fit, and this wasn't something they wanted to go forward with, and they were waiting for, like, what's the minimum number of games and the minimum number of losses we can rack up before we're justified in making the move that maybe they'd already made their minds up all along they were going to make 20 uh, 21 and yeah and they gave, they gave him 20 or 21 and it's uh it, you know that that's that's more than enough time to fire a coach if you're 10 points out of a playoff spot but yeah. when you when you're doing reasonably well uh and it's yeah i mean i don't know it was it was weird in, in a way it reminded me a little bit of the leafs firing randy carlisle because that was one where like they were the team was doing okay at the time that they made that move, but you just right. felt like they had they had made their mind up they were going to do it, and it was like, all right, we lost two in a row. Now's the time. Uh, let's <laughs> it. let's He's pull weak. the shoot on this He's thing. Weak. Yeah, stab him, stab uh, him while he's down. I love so I you know I, I guess I, I know there's some mixed feelings about how good a coach Gerald Gallant really is, and uh, he he certainly seems to be well respected around the league. Given the, I think outcry is a a fair word to use. That is the people best kind part. of lost their yeah. minds over. I love when people get fired. Like, like it's just like everyone in the league is like, this guy's the best. Well, it's like, well, you could have hired him like the last 10 years. He was just kind of sitting there. If he was so good, you know, you could have, you could have made him the coach of Colorado instead of Patrick. Wah if he really wanted to, if he's so great, like people were really angry when he got fired. And then when we found out that he had to take a cab, <laughs> like people just lost their minds, which I'm, I, you know, I don't know. I, I don't really see why that, like why that was the line that he was photographed waiting for a cab as as somebody who as somebody who has traveled a fair amount never rents a car and never has any plan on how to get back from the arena uh, i have waited <laughs> i didn't realize that waiting outside the arena to try to get a cab was was some terrible thing because i've i've done that like a dozen times yeah, but I mean, like, have you ever seen a coach in any sport ever get fired and just, like, get left outside the arena in, like, a road city ever? Well, I I assume that when you get fired, you have to get home. I mean, I I, <laughs> I don't, like, I, I guess they would normally get, what, like, Wait, call but, a car for him or something, but, like, okay, but I mean... But, but imagine, imagine like, okay, let's say you're you're Sean and you're on the road for Vice. You're out covering the playoffs and, like, you're you're in... You're you're covering like a Boston Philly series, and you're in Philly, and you get done, you file your story, and your boss is like, "Sean, the story fucking sucks. You're fired." And you're gonna be like, "Well, I can still get to the airport." No, we we've taken away your ticket, we've taken away your ability, your 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 expenses are no longer covered. Find your own way home. That would never happen. It would never happen. Well, it would never happen. But uh, you know, I don't know. Like I've I've been. I've been downsized before. Nobody set me up with a ride home. I I carried my little <laughs> box of belongings. Out to the parking lot, and they was like, "Thanks very much," and off you go, and good luck in your future endeavors. And I could have, I could have gotten run over by a truck three seconds later, and they they wouldn't have cared. But I'm not an NHL coach. I get it was a little. I just feel like it was weird because somebody happened to be there and take a picture of it, uh, more so than that. Uh, you know, yeah. like like if he had still been there the next morning, that would have been a story. <laughs> like if he was there and like he had set up a little rudimentary shelter for himself, and it was like, oh, he lives here now. That yeah, then in that case I'd I'd be with you. I'd get a little bit upset, but it just it it kind of I don't know. It was like you know this man has just lost his job, seen his professional career take a massive hit. I like I don't feel like his transportation issues are really the biggest thing on his mind right now. 
that would have been great if like him and his assistant got fired and like they they were like say like they lived in california and they had to do like a remake of midnight run where they have to like get home with no money they have to like hitchhike and like ride like a rail car and a train and get off in new mexico and then like steal a car great that, that that's a- he, he gets a call from george mcphee who's like you're the new coach of vegas but you have to be here in three days <laughs> for the press conference and He's you, like you, i can do this you can't spend any of our money and we're, we're cutting off all your credit cards <laughs> we, we want to see how resourceful you are and if you can get here in those three days not only are you the coach but we're going to set you up with a line of credit over at Bally's so it's going to be a good time for you and your family I'd watch that movie I would totally watch that movie <sighs> you know what movie you wouldn't watch is, is the movie that, that involves the NHL standings being worth two points for a win and one point for an overtime loss talk about I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you the press conference one because I know how angry you are uh, how you doing Sean uh, Dave Lozo Vice Sports uh, can you just talk about what you would uh, <laughs> feel like about a, a 3-2-1 point system in the NHL and would it be better than the current one all right, two two things here. First of all, fantastic segue. That was A+. Plus. The the second thing this is this is this is like num- podcast number 4 that we've done, I think. Something like that. Like I I didn't want to get into the whole loser point thing. I really didn't because I feel like it by this point it's it's something like everyone just has their opinion. And if you if you like the loser point or you don't or you like the shootout or you don't or you wish we could go back to ties or you don't like that's your opinion and i I don't like telling people their opinion is wrong i do i mean if if you like like to be clear if you like the loser point your opinion is wrong oh it's stupid but i I don't like to say that and (laughs) i kind of feel like you know what clearly the league isn't going to change it anytime soon so this all this is is something for me to get worked up about and you know other people if other people disagree fine but what happened today today being thursday when we're recording this probably i guess yesterday when if when people are are listening to this uh pierre lebrun from espn had a column on the topic and and in which he basically made the argument that the league needs to change the system they need to go to the the three two one system uh but he had uh some comments from nhl front office types pushing back on that idea. David Poyle was one of them. But the, the, the one that really caught my eye was Brian Burke. Mm. And it's and it's a little bit it's it's a little bit funny that it happened to be Brian Burke because before I saw that, I one of the ideas I had in my in the back of my mind for things that we could talk about on this week's podcast was I was going to defend Brian Burke because he's been taking a bit of heat because he made some comments about Dougie Hamilton and about trade rumors and and GM's leaking stuff. And every time Brian Burke says anything, there's this kind of collective eye roll from the hockey world and everybody nitpicks and criticizes. And I, I like I like Brian Burke. I like that he's one of the few guys who actually says interesting things and, and sticks up for his team and, and does all of this stuff. So I was going to defend that. But then he comes along and he makes these comments <laughs> where basically what he said was that the reason that he likes the current point system and the reason that he does very strenuously does not like the idea of going to a three-point system is that the playoff races would no longer be close and the playoff races i think his comment is the playoff races for some teams would be over in december that's wrong that's wrong that's wrong and that's wrong in every way but it's wrong in every i mean like and even given that i mean obviously you can't be mathematically eliminated in December. This is we'll, or, we'll give or them, super we'll, early, like it, to be like yeah. nothing would change. Nothing would change if they change the point system. Nothing would change, and and you know it's it's one of these things where I'm I'm trying to figure out how moving to a system. When I say the the three two one, if anybody doesn't know that that's the system where you get three points for a regulation win, two points for overtime or shootout win, one point for overtime or shootout loss, zero points for a regulation loss. And the benefit of that is all the games are now worth the same the same amount of points. Uh, you're encouraging teams to win in regulation instead of encouraging them to sit back and, and play for overtime. Uh, and you're making the shootout and the three and three overtime, which are kind of gimmicky, a little less important in the standing. So it's it's a it's a good system, not a perfect system. Not everyone loves it, but it, the idea that that would make the playoff races less interesting it 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 I, the most charitable explanation i can come up with for what brian burke said is that he's basically saying that if you go to this system teams that are six points back in december today would be nine points back under the new system and our fans are too stupid to understand that that would be the same thing 
That's fair. Like that's that's the only thing I can imagine that he's saying is that the fans would be like, "Oh, we're now we're, we're nine points back. We're and, too dumb to figure out the new system." Duh. I mean, but I, but I, I, that, I can see where he's coming from. Like, I feel like a lot of my arguments for why things don't work is because people are stupid. So I I can't I can't push back on that part of it. And and, and let's be fair. He this guy was the GM of the Toronto Maple Leafs, so he was dealing with Maple Leaf fans. He's dealt with Maple Leaf fans and Canuck fans for most of his NHL career. So he does. He has a little bit of experience dealing with with people who maybe Poor don't bastard. fully grasp, but but you know it goes to this this whole bigger picture, which is the this is the NHL stated reason for having this stupid loser point is that it's it's about parity and it's about making the playoff races closer and and keeping uh, you know this is the NHL's dream is to have a league where all thirty teams are tied going into the last night of the of the schedule. And all 15 games that night are tied going into the third period, and it's all totally close, and nobody's good, nobody's bad, and, and nobody has any idea what to expect. The NHL is convinced that that would be an exciting, fun league, and maybe it would, but the the loser point doesn't do any of those things. It doesn't make the playoff races closer, because everybody is getting them. And if everybody is getting them, and, and getting them roughly equally, then it's not benefiting anybody other than... GMs and owners who get to go to their fans and go, oh, look at us. We had 95 points this year, even though we lost more games than we won. Right. Okay. So so your, your feeling overall is you would prefer 3-2-1 over the two loser point situation we have my, now. My, my feeling overall is the loser point is terrible. There are several other systems you could use, all of which would be better than the loser point. And that if the league is going to insist on having this dumb thing, I wish they would at least be honest about why they're doing it and not try to play these games uh, with the rest of us where they assume that we're dumb and honesty. don't know how math works. Honesty. Honesty. You want honesty from the NHL? Come on. Come on, Sean. I want either honesty or I want more effort in lying to me. <laughs> Come up with a better story, for God's sakes. Yeah. Like, at least make me feel like you're putting some effort into this <laughs> other than giving... 10 extra points to pretty much every team in the standings and then going, look, the standings got closer and sure. expecting me to go like, yeah, they sure did. Like I, 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 I can do basic math. So here's my thing. Here's how I, here's uh, why I mean, like, I don't think it would matter if it was three, two, one, or if it was the way it is now, because I understand that people have created the standings to show what it would look like if the three, two, one system was in place and it really doesn't ever change anything. So that's one part of it. But the part that I think those standings never reflect is, so on Wednesday night, the Islanders played the Penguins. Penguins were down 3 nothing going into the third. They went absolutely nuts for the first 10 minutes of the third period, tied the game. The second the game got tied, they just throttled it back. They said, hey, we got our point. Let's, let's relax. Let's not do anything. And the last eight minutes of that game were unbearable, but the Islanders ended up scoring a random goal on a deflection with like 40 seconds to go. So they won the game and got the two points. But in the system that exists today, teams play for the point because they don't want to lose that point. So the thing I think those standings that show what it would be like if it was a 3-2-1 situation, the thing they, that, that doesn't reflect is I think the idea that people are going to go for it more, I think it would be the opposite. I think teams would shut it down even harder because if you're the Islanders playing the Penguins and it's 3-3 with five minutes to go, if you try to push for that fourth goal and that third point and you don't get it, suddenly you're not losing two points to that team. You're losing three points to that team. And I think in a coach's mind, he's going to say, you know what, let's play for the point and try to get the second point in overtime. I don't think they're going to try to risk three for zero. And to me, that's going to make the hockey even worse in the final 10 minutes or five minutes of tie games. Like teams are going to have like situations where like a defenseman just stands behind the net with a minute to go and just like runs the clock out. Like it's an NFL game. He's going to take a knee and they're just going to let the play, the play clock run to zero and it's going to be over and it's just going to be even worse. So to See, me, I, I, I just I don't I, think, I just I don't don't think, think it's going to matter. That would happen. I don't, I, you're, you're certainly, I mean, you're right that this is one of the side effects of the loser point is that the third period, the last 10 minutes of the third period of tie game which should be the most exciting part of any game is usually the most boring because the teams sit back. And this, and this has been shown by this. Again, I said, you know, I, I don't want to get into opinions. This is an opinion. There are people have looked at run the numbers and said, yeah, everything just shuts down the last half of the third period uh, because teams are trying to get to overtime. 
Uh, would teams do that in a three-two-one system? Uh, you know, some of them might. You, you certainly you, you you might see teams like in that situation you mentioned, where you got the Penguins, a very good team, and the Islanders, who are not a very good team. Yeah, I could see the Islanders maybe saying, "Let's at least try to get a point here." The flip side of that is, what do the Penguins do? The, are the Penguins going to play that game with them, or are the Penguins going to look at this and go, "Hey, man, this is a team that we should beat." This should be three points for us tonight. We're trying to keep tra- keep pace with the Rangers. We're trying to keep pace with the Capitals, the top of division. We need three points out of this game. Two points is is a failure, let alone taking the risk of getting into overtime where it starts to be a crapshoot, and maybe now we only get one point. Nothing about hockey ever that the thing about hockey that exists right now tells me that's going to be the mentality of hockey teams. They they're they're all about safe. They're all about doing making sure they get at least this point, that point. I just don't think no, they would. They, I just don't think they would push. They, they, they might be, but the problem today is when there's 10 minutes left in the third period and you're tied, If I, I mean, if the two coaches could lean across the bench and shake hands and say, we're just going to skip the last 10 minutes and go straight to overtime, <laughs> they would do that every time. They absolutely. absolutely would, because you're not risking anything to do that. You're playing for two points in regulation. You get to overtime, you're still playing for two points. What's changed is now you have this safety net where instead of risking zero points, you're you're getting at least one. Basically, the the game has become worth three points. Each team's expected value for the game is a point and a half. Now you've you've gained half a point by getting to overtime. Like that's how the math works, and that's even a coach might not express it that way, but in their mind, they get a they get a half point every time they can make it to overtime. You go to a three two one. That's no longer the case, and now you are losing something by getting into overtime. Now you're right. Some coaches certainly would probably just fall back at least early on on that you know, defense, conservative, risk-averse sort of way that, that NHL teams all seem to operate. But I'd like to think at least a few of them would would play for the three points. And I like to think that maybe, you know, if let's say the Penguins are one of those teams that plays a conservative and the Capitals come along and say, no, we're going to go out gunning and we're going to try to get those three points every time. Suddenly when the Penguins are getting one point and two points and they're losing ground, even though they're winning games, maybe maybe they're winning games in overtime. They get two points. Oh, but we still lost ground because the Capitals kept the throttle down and, and actually won in regulation. You know, I I just got to think at some point coaches are going to say, you know what, we, you know, we we've got we've got to go for it here. Like I, I feel like coaches in today's NHL are not conservative because they want to be conservative. They're conservative because the league is set up to reward that. Mm-hmm. So you got to change the system of rewards. Maybe late in the season teams would go for it more because they'll be at a point where they're like well two points doesn't help us we need three but i think well, like the first 60 games it, i don't i don't know i just don't think it, there'd be much maybe it wouldn't but you know what if if they go for it in the last 20 games that's still an improvement because right now we get teams shutting it down in the last 20 like the the overtime the the amount of overtime and shootouts that we get the last quarter of the season is even higher than at the beginning because everybody especially when it's two teams in different conferences where they're not chasing each other I mean, it's it's one step below collusion in a lot of these cases where these teams are just like, hey, let's just bat the puck back and forth until we get to overtime and we, we can both get a point in the bank. Uh, and again, that's that's not opinion. That's something we've got 10 years of history here to look at and we can we can chart out uh, how, how many three-point games there are and they ramp right up at the end of the year. It's very clear that coaches are being offered an incentive to play in a certain way and they're doing what smart coaches do and they're accepting that incentive and playing in that way coaches have found a way to make three on three a little more boring this year that they can find a way to make anything boring somebody oh, somebody once yeah, wrote a thing might have been you i forget who did it but they, there was like all these ways to make hockey like better more fun increase scoring and one of them was get rid of coaches and i'm like yeah right and then i think about it it's like wait that's the one thing that would totally change hockey is if there was never like anybody drawing up plays or systems if it was just a bunch of dudes skating around trying to score goals oh my god it'd be the greatest sport in the world i've made the suggestion before this is this is a real rule change i would think of making if i was the nhl you get one coach behind the bench you get your head coach back there no assistance nobody on the earphone nobody talking to you from upstairs one guy. Now, if you can do all of it, if you can juggle the lines and run the power plays and say everything all by yourself, great. Then you're a great coach. Go ahead. But you don't have three or four people helping you out. You've got just you. And let's see how smart these guys are and how, how much they can they can fine-tune their their precious defensive systems when uh, suddenly it's it's one person responsible for everything. 
just chaos, just absolute anarchy on the ice. I've always wanted to see it too, where you 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 can no longer change on the fly. You can just you, you got to stay out there the whole time, and whoever's in better shape scores the goal on that shift. You have to either get a whistle or a stoppage, but you can't come off the ice mid play. You have to stay out there. This way, you have gassed defensemen that can't cover anybody. They just get blown by goal. That would that that's that's my. I think somebody I think somebody asks a question for our. Our, uh, our our reader our reader questions and that was one of them. My craziest rule would be no more changing on the fly. You just have to skate until your your legs fall off or you get a whistle. It's so frustrating whenever you see a question like that because your mind just fills with all of these I know <laughs> weird ideas and then there's that one voice that goes like it's the NHL never gonna happen. This is the this is the NHL where somebody goes how about we make the nets one inch wider all the way around in a way that would be completely undetectable from the human eye to fans watching the game at home and they just all get beaten to death with sticks they and lose their minds they lose their minds at that i mean you know can we put a small ad on this jersey and oh it, <laughs> people's heads explode so you can only imagine that making that sort of, that and that's why that's why we have this stupid loser point that this would have never the the idea of having the loser point and shootouts and all of this stuff mm-hmm. that would have never happened under regular circumstances but what happened was we had a lockout we lost the whole season then they had a deal and they're like oh, by the way we're gonna make a bunch of rule changes and we're all like oh uh sure whatever it's that's great hockey's back yay and then suddenly we came out and we're like why is why are you guys painting shapes behind the net what's happening here why did you where's the red line what, what did you guys do and they're like oh we have shootouts now and and we're like okay but you got rid of the the loser point right because that was just to get rid of ties and we don't have those anymore and they're like no we kept that and we're all like, ah, okay, we'll figure this out later. And and the NHL ten, ten years later. wisely understood that we would never figure it out later because we never, <laughs> we can never agree or figure out anything. Uh, and so nothing ever changes uh, up until we we get a lockout to wipe out a season, or until we get new leadership, which will happen at some point in the next twenty years. And if assuming this league even still exists, the next commissioner is going to come in and go, I've got a bunch of crazy ideas. And he'll have like a 30-day window to actually make some changes. And we're all going to think that he's the most brilliant leader in the history of sports just because he goes around undoing a bunch of the stupidity that we've had in this league over the last few decades. Like That guy's going to have crazy ideas. He's going to just be like, I got an idea. One player can wear a jetpack and fly. And this guy, this guy's allowed to do steroids. You're going to have two steroid guys on your team. And everyone's going to be like, oh, yeah, sure. And then he's going to be like, and the net's going to be 6.5 by 4.5. No, no, that's insane. Get this guy out of office. They're going to get like the ninth ranking guy from the NFL is going to come over. <laughs> and he, he like the guy, he was like the assistant GM of the Jaguars. And he's going to be like, all right, guys, hear me out. Crazy, I know, but... Maybe in pro sports, offense is good. Maybe offense sells. I don't know. I, I, I don't know if they've ever tried in, you know, baseball or football or any of these other ones, but maybe, maybe that would be good, you know, and, and, and everyone will be like, wow, okay. So what do we like? Do we tweak the neutral zone faceoff rules? Yeah, and he'll I be know. like, no. <laughs> what if we did something that would actually change things? And uh, then the, the mutiny will start right away. Like there, there'll already be like five owners who are like, we got to get rid of this guy. I don't like him. There's always like dudes too who are like, oh, just because you can't see the beauty in a two-one game, like I can, doesn't mean oh, we should I, change the sport at all. Like uh, I can't stand those guys. They, I uh, the, the, they're the hockey hipsters. These are the people who think that music's no good if it's not on vinyl, and that you know, like I'm sorry, I'm I'm not. I'm not trying to pull rank on who's a fan and who's not, but I've I've been a diehard hockey fan for 30 years. I don't need any lectures about the beauty of a one nothing game and and this and that. And you know there are exciting one nothing games. There are also some terribly terribly boring, horrible one nothing games. And the problem is every time one of those games comes right. up, like just that that one. Every time, every time that one of those dull, I mean, because it happens, right? Like every night, there's ten games tonight. There's going to be like two good games, six forgettable games, and two just horrible games. And we all, who are already hockey fans, we'll we'll just talk about the two fun games. But the problem is, like those two horribly boring games. Like somebody went to those. Somebody paid money and brought their family <laughs> somebody went to that as their first game somebody had a friend who was like you gotta get hockey dude it's awesome all right i'll come to a game with you and they went and they sat there and they watched that and they never <laughs> and watched hockey again never are you kidding me i mean there's there, there's so there's games every single night that if you showed that to somebody and said this is the nhl product can we please have two hundred dollars from you to <laughs> to watch more of this 
they'd be like, you're out of your mind. This is not a great pro-. And And then, you know, we all, yeah, but remember that time with the, the Blackhawks and the Kings and the playoffs and that overtime, and it was crazy. And it was like, well, yeah, but uh, nope. nobody's watching because of all the terrible, terrible games that we just we just shrug off and we don't care about. Or in like you say, in some cases, we we brag about it. Like, oh, yeah, you know, like 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 it's a, a real like it's like it's an undrinkable beer and we're just like oh you don't yeah. appreciate the hops man it's oh, like man. no i do but i want i'm thirsty and i want to drink something that tastes good and i want to watch <laughs> a game that's entertaining and uh yeah s- spare me your lectures uh because something that is clearly bad uh somehow in your mind you've decided you have to defend it so we're halfway through the show, and that means it's once again time to remind you that this week's podcast is presented by Ticketmaster. As Sean knows, Ticketmaster has more tickets to more games, shows, and events than any place else and provides the most safe and transparent fan experience. You're aware of this, right, Sean? I am aware, and I, Dave, I don't know if you're aware, but the reason for that is that Ticketmaster only sells verified tickets backed up by official partnerships. And what that means is they are all real, and you will never get fake tickets. Wow, because that's, that's actually pretty good because you don't want to get fake tickets. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to head to Ticketmaster.com slash NHL to score verified tickets to this year's 2016-2017 NHL season. Once again, that's Ticketmaster.com slash NHL. The best regular season game I've seen since the the second lockout was it was a 0-0 65-minute game between the Rangers and Devils where I think uh, Barty Brodeur made like 50-something saves and Lundqvist made 40-something saves and it ended in a shootout. I think the Devils won one nothing, And it was the best game I've ever seen. It wasn't like a 0-0 game where it was just like uh, it was pretty good. It was just an insanely high level of skill game where everybody was on top of their game including the goaltenders and so nothing got by anybody just an incredible game this past week i've attended two unbelievably terrible rangers hockey games where they lost to the senators two nothing in what was just an absolute bore fest where ottawa scored first and then guy boucher was like that's it nothing else is going to happen the rest of this game so just everybody go to bed and then carolina new york uh, a couple nights ago was the same sort of thing it was a 3-2 game but it was just the same thing. Like Carolina got an early lead, and it was just there were, the shots on goal after two periods were like twelve ten. Like nobody was doing anything. So, so for every zero zero Lundqvist Brodor ninety seven shot duel, you get ten of those Guy Boucher Bill Peters teams where they don't have a lot of talent, so they got to shut it down, and you get boring. So I, I wrote a thing for Vice where. I, it might actually it should be up by the time this podcast goes up, unless they decided to spike it, and they, they were like, "This is terrible." So if they don't see it, it's because of that. But in 1968, in Major League Baseball, pitching was so dominant that in the 60s, baseball, a sport where they get mad if you flip your bat, they said, you know what, we got to change some rules. And they lowered the mound and they tightened the strike zone because like Bob Gibson had like a 1.12 ERA, which was like a full point better than he ever had in his career ever. There was like 10 pitchers that had sub two ERAs. Like imagine if like this past year there was like 10 Clayton Kershaws. You'd be like, no, we can't watch this. So they changed the rules. And I think it was Carl Yastrzemski, I think it was. I think he won the batting title with like a 301 batting average, which is insane. 301. That's like Jamie Benn's 87-point year. And the baseball was like, yeah, we we, we, got to fix this. This is terrible. So they changed everything. They shrunk stuff. They lowered stuff. And in this league, you want to make the net bigger? People crap their pants. They take it out of their pants. They throw it at you. They scream at you because, oh, you can't do that. Like, they brought the fences in in baseball. They changed everything because they understand that, yes, it's great when, when Bob Gibson and, I don't know, who's an old pitcher from 1968? It was Hoyt. Hoyt Sandy Koufax. Sandy Koufax. I was going to say, yeah. like, that, that's great. It's great when Kershaw and Bumgartner deal. It's great. But, like, I'm sorry. I don't want to see Cam Ward and Jacob Markstrom play a one nothing game yeah. in Vancouver in the middle of November because nobody can get any shots on net and nobody can find any holes because the goalie equipment's so big. The net hasn't changed. It's so simple. All these well, yeah. years of just, like, changing the face off and just make the nets bigger. Make the nets and bigger. And great, great pitching is great. Like, Randy Johnson and Pedro Martinez were sure. fantastic because they were in a league where not everyone was doing that. You know, Pedro didn't go, you know, didn't put up a... a 190 ERA in a league where 14 guys had a 2.00. Yeah. You know, the one that always gets me is, and this is going back, it's probably like a decade or so ago, but there was one year in the NFL, Patriots played the Colts in the, in the playoffs. I want to say it was a conference final. And so Brady against Manning uh, and Peyton Manning 
had a bad game because the Patriots, basically the defensive backs got right up and went really physical right. on the Colts wide receivers. I know what you're talking about. Uh, and, right, right. And, and really shut them down. And the NFL looked at that one bad game for Peyton Manning, but the NFL looked at that and went, <laughs> wait a second. Hold on. That really, what they just did works. What, what Bill Belichick just did against Peyton Manning is going to work. And other coaches are going to copy this. And th- we're looking at the future right here. That offseason, they changed the rules on on how defensive backs were allowed to play to make sure that passing stats would stay high and offense would stay high and that Peyton Manning wouldn't get shut down uh, every time he played against the Patriots or anybody who was playing like the Patriots. Like they didn't, they didn't say, let's wait another year. They certainly didn't wait 20 years like the right. NHL. They One bad game from a star player, the NFL was like, okay, we see where this is going. We're shutting this down right now. Did you, see, did, did you see the Raven, the Ravens Bengals ending on Sunday? You see how that game ended? Yes, with all the holding. And yeah, te- yeah. Like ten guys intentionally held so the punter could have run out like twenty seconds, and right away the league's like, "Yeah, we're we're going to change this next season." Like the second they sure. see a thing, they're just like, "Hey, we got to fix this." Because and that's hockey, what you do. That's yeah, and yes. that's what you do when you have leadership, and when you have like I, I'm not. I realize I'm. I sound like I'm calling Roger Goodell a great leader now, <laughs> but when it comes to the on the field product. Uh, you know, the NFL doesn't mess around. And, and to bring it back to hockey, I know the thing that everybody always says when it comes to hockey, whenever you mention goals, there's there's two bad arguments that they always bring up. Number one is they go, oh, well, so what do we want it to be, 12 to 9? And it's like, no, we're, we're not saying we want 20 goals again. There is a number between 5 and 20. <laughs> you know, like the, the nobody's saying that we need to go back to 1983 and, and you know, we're half the defensemen couldn't skate backwards and uh you know we had everybody was stand-up goalies but wearing no equipment and all of this stuff uh, but but the other thing that that people say that bothers me is they'll say well you know it's not goals it's scoring chances yeah it's oh. how many scoring chances there are and and yes i would agree with that that gets back to your point about the one the, the thrilling one nothing game yeah if there's a ton of scoring chances a one nothing game can can be great but most of these dull one nothing games they, it like it's not like the NHL is putting up a bunch of one nothing and two to one and two nothing games every night where there's a ton of scoring chances. There's no scoring chances in these games either. But the other thing is, like a scoring chance is. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. Like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash achieve today. Like a scoring chance is just a play where as a fan, you think there's a realistic chance you're about to see a goal. Mm-hmm. That's all it's going. Like we can try to define it, it more specifically for if we're going to track it as a stat, but a scoring chance is just you kind of leaning forward in your chair going, Oh, these guys might be about to score. And the thing is, if as the, as the goalies get bigger, as the shot blocking gets bigger and all of this, that the defensive systems get better. What is a scoring chance starts to fade. Like it used to be 20 years ago, uh, an unscreened slap shot from the point was a scoring chance. If it was the right guy taking it, yeah. you know, if Al McKinnis had a, you know, 60 foot you give him a clear runway that was a scoring chance these days you don't you know you see a shot from the point unless it's going to get tipped or deflect off of one of the seven guys standing between that shot and the goalie that's not a scoring chance you know a guy coming down the wing and taking a taking a wrist shot half the time isn't really a scoring chance because you know the goalies he's got nothing to shoot at and the goaltender it's not like the goaltender is going to flash the glove and make a great glove save he's just going to crouch down and let the puck hit him uh you know, there's these people who, oh, it's about scoring chances. Yeah, no, I know. I watched the game. There weren't any scoring chances either. There was nothing. It was just two teams going back and forth. And yeah, maybe there were a couple of nice plays. And maybe there were a few things that you as a diehard fan could still appreciate on a certain level. Uh, but at some point here, I mean, the, the NHL is a product. And you're putting it in front of people and saying, this is what we've got to offer. Nobody's going to buy this product the way it's presented most nights in the NHL. Like imagine in baseball, 
you're like, man, another 2-1 game, and someone's like, yeah, but dude, but there were like eight balls hit to the warning track. It was super, super close to seeing some runs scored. It was pretty awesome. Oh, yeah, they, I, did, did, they, wait, did, did he climb the wall to make the catch? No, he caught it like seven feet in front of the warning track, but I mean, if yeah. it was just a little further, though, it was a pretty good it's, scoring it's, chance. It's a one nothing baseball game, you know, but not like, what, was, what, did the guy have 14 strikeouts? No. No, no there were no. there were like three strikeouts. Yeah. A lot of ground balls. You know, it's like an NFL, you know, there was that NFL game a few weeks ago, the the overtime. The, what was the game? It was 9-6. Was it Seahawks oh, and Cardinals? Cardinals. Yeah, yeah, they missed all the field goals. And, you know, there's missed field goals. And it was, but that was like a defensive battle. And, you know, you could kind of go, yeah, you know what? This is, these are two really good defensive teams playing really well and, and you know, not playing well offensively. But, you know, there's a big difference between that and, like, if, Every week, half of the NFL games finish nine to six because every team just ran the ball three times for three yards and then punted on fourth and one and played field position until they could get a field goal. And then, and oh, by the way, you got an extra half win if you got to overtime. So as soon as we get to the fourth quarter, everybody just starts like taking kneel downs uh, to, to, to drain the clock so that they can get there. Like nobody would watch that. Nobody would defend it. And nobody would be like, oh, yeah, but the, the defensive tackle filled the A-gap there really well. And if, if you, could, you know, nobody would watch, and it would last about two weeks before the NFL came in and said, all right, we're, we're changing all the rules. We're changing whatever we need to change to make sure you guys don't play like that because uh, this is going to cost us billions of dollars uh, if you keep putting this product out there. And yet the NHL ended up facing pretty much the same thing. Going back, you go back to the 90s when you had the – you had the the New York Rangers winning the Stanley Cup and being on the front page of every sports magazine in North America, and the NHL basically found itself in that exact situation, and they did nothing about it. And to this day, they have done nothing about it. The other thing, too, one other argument that I'll point out, and then we can stop screaming about this because I'm sure people are probably tuning in, tuning out at this point. I'm not sure, but in in football, with the new rules. Every there's there's every team has like a four thousand yard passer. That was like a huge deal back in the day. Like Dan Marino, four thousand yards, and you were like, wow, Dan Marino's awesome. I saw a stat at some point during the season. I think the Bears were playing on Monday night, and Brian Hoyer was the quarterback at that point because Jay Cutler was hurt, and Brian Hoyer, I think he got hurt that night. But they showed a stat, and it was something like he was the first quarterback in Bears history to throw for three hundred yards in four consecutive games or something. And you're just like, wow. Brian Hoyer, the, the the Bears have been in the NFL for like ever. How is that only? Yeah. And that's because everyone in the NFL throws the ball forty times a game. No one, no one bats an eye. No one says, "Oh, well, Jim McMahon's better." But that's a stupid rule. If Brian Hoyer's able to do it, like if tomorrow they changed the rules, they made the nets bigger, they did all this stuff, and like I don't know who's a who's a B level player, who's a who's like a C level type. Like if if Matt Reed scored forty five goals next year. Who would care? It would be like, oh, okay, if we were Matt Reed yeah. scored 40. But like, it would be awesome because 45 times Matt Reed would have put a puck into a net. And that's what you, you – you don't grow up dreaming about scoring chances. You grew up dreaming about scoring goals. As a fan, you're living vicariously through these people, and you watch them score goals. On their, they're on your favorite team, and it's cool and it's fun. Just just, just who care? Who care? Who cares if Sidney Crosby has 180 points next year? And people go, well, you know, we have to – preserve what about the sanctity of the rule book or the uh, the record book uh, the, we got to preserve the record it's like dude the record book has not changed in 25 years like look at the what the offensive half of the record book hasn't changed in 20 years the goaltending half has been completely rewritten devin dubnik has a 938 save percentage devin dubnik uh, that that should be a red flag and like oh yeah also the sanctity of, of the record book you know, like every single baseball postseason record has been set in the last like ten years because they have they've added a division series and they've added a wild card round and like like I think like Bernie Williams is the all time leader in like postseason home runs because he got to play like ten extra wild card rounds that like Mickey Mantle never did. No one's ever like, well, it's not a real record. It's just, nobody cares. It, it just becomes nobody a cares. Thing you hear the cares. stat and you go, oh, that's weird, and you just move on. You just yeah. go on with your day and you're just like, wow, I'm glad I get to watch all these extra home runs and and stuff and oh, God. What else are we supposed to talk about today? Now you got me mad. I, I went into this conversation thinking you were going to be the mad one, and you. Oh you no! Know, you know what the 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 thing the sad thing is I'm looking down the list of like other topics for us to talk about, <laughs> and it's just all other stuff that's going to make me even madder. Yeah, let's 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 do the one because you ruined this for me, 
over email uh, two days ago. Right. So, yeah. so so Sean Sean's a really smart guy. Sean Sean looks down the road. He sees things coming. And like all of us, we're all pretty excited about the expansion draft. We're all like doing our own rosters and imagining who's going to wind up there and all this stuff. And so Sean, you know, he sends me an email. He just says, uh, "Hey, we should talk about you know the uh, the 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 draft misconceptions, the expansion." And I'm like, "What what what misconceptions?" And then Sean told me what they were. And literally for like the next six hours, I was mad at Sean. I was just sitting in my apartment <laughs> stewing because Sean pointed out something that's absolutely going to happen. Before the draft even happens, that's going to ruin the draft. So, so why don't you ruin it for everybody right now? Like you ruined sure. it for me. Sure, because I, I think now that the Las Vegas Golden Knights have a name and a logo and and all Vegas this stuff, Vegas Golden Knights. The Ve- yes, I'm sorry. The Vegas Golden Knights have have their new name and logo. We're all kind of like, all right, it's expansion draft, and this is exciting, right? This is going to be the first one in 17 years, I think. Mm. Like there are whole. There's a whole generation of hockey fans who have only heard about these things and have never experienced one. Uh, and here's the problem. <laughs> First of all, there isn't going to be an expansion draft. <sighs> I don't know if people have, have thought that through. A draft is when multiple teams take turns picking players. <laughs> We've got one expansion team coming in. So th- there isn't going to be a draft. What's going to happen is... The Vegas Golden Knights are going to be given a list of eligible players, and they are going to, using those lists, assemble a roster, and that's going to be their roster. But th- there's not going to be a draft. They're not They're not going to pick guys in any order. There's not going to be any suspense over who's going to go where. Uh, they're just going to make a list, and then they send that list into the league, and that's their team. Now, here's the second thing that I don't think a lot of people realize or, or have thought through. This is the part that made me hate you a lot. This, this part really, really upset me because it's, it's true and it's going to happen. The Las Vegas Golden Knights are going to do their not really a draft expansion draft on June the 20th. The NHL is going to hold on to those results until the next day and then release them. We don't know how they're going to release them. I don't know if they're planning on doing some sort of TV show or whatever, if it's going to be like, they're just going to put it in a press release that will be emailed to all the journalists who will then screen cap it and flood your Twitter feed (laughs) with identical views of the exact same news. Uh, But the NHL is, is going to hold on it. Like the Vegas is not going to do their picks live or anything like that. They're going to basically write it on a piece of paper, seal it in an envelope and the NHL is going to take it and not reveal it till the next day. And the problem with this is that what is going to happen, presumably, uh, is that over that 24 hours, the names of who's been picked is going to leak out. Uh, and the reason that's going to happen is because, A, you'll have a bunch of people in the Vegas front office who will know who got picked. You're going to have a bunch of people in the NHL who are going to know who got picked. Uh, and, and many of those people will have contacts in the media. But even more importantly, you know, again, I'm assuming that what will happen during those 24 hours is players who got picked will be notified so that they don't have to find out, you know, on Twitter or on TV or whatever. Sure. Uh, they'll be told that, okay, hey, you know, FYI, you got picked, so you got to you know, pack up. And so those players and their agents will know, and it's, it's all just going to leak out. It's going to be, you know, all of the hockey insiders who I normally love. I love insiders when they break news about trades or, you know, th- this sort of stuff. But in a situation like this, like it's it's just going to all come out in like dribs and drabs. There's not going to be any sort of dramatic announcement. There's not going to be any certainly any sort of like I say draft that you can watch along with. It's just going to be a bunch of stuff leaking out, and this race to see who can who can spill the most names. And then the NHL is going to do some anticlimactic announcement when you'll already know half or more of who got picked. It's so true. It's so going to suck. It's so going to happen like that. It's going to just going to, and like and like and the NHL too. Knowing the NHL, like whenever they announce like a winter classics coming up, like we all kind of, it's St. Louis, Chicago this year, right? That's the official one. Or no, it's the Toronto game. That's the winter classic. What's which? which Tor- one no, is? Toronto is the Centennial Classic. Uh, St. Louis, Chicago is the winter classic that's on okay. January second this year. Right, and like 
like St. Lu- some St. Louis reporter or Chicago reporter had it first. That comes out, you know, days in advance, and then the NHL is like, "We got a big announcement coming up at Soldier Field or wherever they're playing the game. Everyone, come out and see what we're going to announce." And we're just all like, "Yeah, we fucking know already, man. Like you do this every time." Oh, but, but like that's who cares? It's the Winter Classic. Like this is something I kind of want to have like a like yeah like like have like Bill Daly stand in front of like a podium and then like just read off. Like a guy one at a time. Like, but the first pick, the Vegas Golden Knights select Dustin Brown, Los Angeles Kings. And it's like, oh, Dustin Brown's off. Like, I don't want to have, like, Woj in the NBA. Like, Woj, Adrian Woj, exactly. just absolutely ruins the NBA draft every year for every NBA fan. Only this is going to be our one time where we can have this yeah. thing happen. And it's, it's going to be like that, except instead of ruining it five minutes before every pick, it'll be five hours or 10 hours or whatever else. And it's, and, you know, again, like, I normally I love the insiders I and I understand this is their job but there is a difference between breaking news that somebody is trying to keep hidden versus breaking news that is scheduled to be announced mm-hmm. I mean it'd be like if so, it'd be like do you remember the one year this goes back a, a long ways but there was the one year that the NHL awards leaked out uh mm-hmm. and somebody got those in advance um it, you know it'd be like if that happened like if if instead if the NHL told all the players who won the awards and then tried to hold the award show the next day. And it was just like all day. You'd be like, uh, Eric Carlson has been informed. He did not win the Norris. And then people would be like, oh, okay. And then it'll, an hour later, yeah, Drew Doughty confirms. And then somebody else will be like, I have also confirmed that Drew Doughty has, and you're like, I know the first person yeah. got it. We're, we're all set. So it's going to be like, I was so excited because expansion drafts are great. I'm old enough. I've, I've been through a bunch of them. They're fun, especially when it's two teams and they're going head to head and it's like, all right, you know, who's on your list and how, how early do you pick them and who went number one and who was the last guy picked? We're not going to have any of that. Like you hear expansion draft and all of these visions kind of fill your head. It's not going to be, it's not going to be anything like that. Who's the guy that ruins it the most? I say Kiprios. I think Kiprios is going to be the guy that tweets out the most stuff Ooh, boy. That, that we're like, I don't want to know this. I, you know what? You know, I bet, I bet you it's going to be some like local Vegas beat guy. That's my bet. You think so? I think it's going to be some Vegas guy. Here's my theory. It's going to be some Vegas guy that we don't even know that well, but the Vegas front office is going to feed him a bunch of stuff because then they know he'll be on side. And he's going to go from like having 300 Twitter followers on June 20th (laughs) to 60,000. Uh, because he's gonna he's wow. gonna get all of the names. That's, that's exactly how it's gonna. Ha- God, you have really thought this through. You have really sat. How do you have time to do this? You have kids and stuff. I have no kids. I, I should be the one thinking up all these crazy conspiracy theories. Yeah, there's nothing crazy. All you do is sit down. Anything <laughs> that is good in the hockey world that makes you happy, you just sit down and go. How's the NHL going to screw this up? And usually, the the options will present themselves. The Vegas placeholders fairly quickly. The Vegas, oh no, it was placeholder Las Vegas. Placeholder Las, yeah, that was great. I really enjoyed that. Like people always, people like, like sometimes they'll say to me, they're like, man, why are you so mean to the NHL all the time? Like, why do you say all this stuff about how they don't know what they're doing? And then it's just like that happens. And I just have to just like gesture, like gesture towards the TV. Like I'm like a Price is Right spokesmodel. There there you go. That's, that's why they, they, I I just, I love like, I, 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 like I love dumb history from the NHL. I love stuff like when they would like, the year that in 1970 they broke out a roulette wheel to figure out who had the first pick in the in the draft, and then they spun the wheel and they read the results wrong, uh, and they announced the wrong team, and everybody was celebrating, and then somebody else was like, "I think you need to go back and look at that again." And like, I love stories like that, but whenever you tell people that, those stories, it's always like, "Well, yeah, but that wouldn't happen today." Come on, that was. The and 70s. then you see, and then you see something like this, and you're you're like, yeah. And then they they tried to play the video, but the video didn't work, and they had to stall. And then Gary Bettman looked like he wanted to murder everyone. And then, and people are like, ah, but how long ago was that? And you're like, no, that was 15 minutes ago. That that just happened. And uh, yeah, that was that was fun. I did I did like the logo though. What do you think? Logo is not bad. I, I it's fine. It, it's just weird that they want to call themselves Vegas because that's what the locals yeah. call themselves, which is which is indicative of the NHL itself, where they care more about the local than the actual national huge. You know, like I'm from I'm from New Jersey, like I call it Jersey all the time. Like, where do you live? I live in Jersey. Where where, where are you going? Oh, I'm going back to Jersey. I have never once called them the Jersey Devils ever. Nobody does. They're the New Jersey no. Devils. That's that's the name of the state. No one, yeah. even though everybody who lives here calls it Jersey. Nobody calls it the Jersey Devils. Nobody that's, calls them the that, Jersey that, Devils. That whole thing was just trying too hard and. A little, getting a little too clever, but I like. I'm just happy that the logo was not an angry knight holding a hockey stick. 
That'll be the third jersey. Yeah, which will which will come out two weeks into the first season. <laughs> they'll, they'll try to unveil it, but they won't. They won't be able to like lift the thing off of the jersey. Like the little like the the little like blanket <laughs> they have over it will get like stuck, and it'll like rip the jersey, and it won't come off right. By the way, can I, speaking speaking of jerseys, can I just mention one of my favorite running themes right now in today's NHL is watching the Chicago Blackhawks continually trying to come up with new jerseys for all of these outdoor games and special events that they get right. invited to and they like they've they're run out yeah and so now they're just like ah it's it's like our regular jersey but it's got a i don't know there's like a blue stripe on the elbow <laughs> give us here your you go you know there and like they make jonathan taves like sit there and like you know <laughs> go out on a stage and the and uh yeah and then they're like all right but uh, you guys will be back for the heritage classic and you're like oh jeez we don't we've had the same uniform for a hundred years i don't know Stan Bowman walks out there and goes, here's what we're doing. Logo on the back, name and number on the front. Whoa, okay, that's a whole new look. Definitely, I like it. That'll be the new trend. What they should do is maybe Chicago Chicago should go back to spelling their own name wrong like they did for 60 years without noticing and, and and then just subtly correct it. Oh, the the, the two, the two, the black space. The black space hawks, which is what they were up until like 83 or so because somebody just... Somebody found like a box of documents and was like, "Oh, our name is actually not Black Spacehawks; it's Blackhawks, all one word." And they just <laughs> changed it and hoped nobody would notice that. That uh, you know that it'd be like the Maple Leafs just find, like, "Oh, wait a second, no, we we are the Leaves with a V after all." Uh, sorry, we, there was a smudge on the on the piece of paper, and and okay, uh, that's our new name. We're not gonna. Uh, God bless this league. What a league! It's just it's it's a it's a billion dollar league, Sean. Record revenue. Record uh, revenue. All right. Well, <sighs> we got some time left here. We, I, we're not going to get to – I don't think we're going to get to everything that we wanted to get to because it's uh, – currently it's in real in real time it's 2.50 and they're going to throw us out of the Vice conference room here at 3. So we got like 10 minutes left here. So I think we should delve into some some reader, reader Let's questions. Let's do it. Let's do it. I'm, I haven't really like scanned these because I was, <laughs> I was, I was, I was commuting here in, in all kinds of wild different ways. So I'm just going to start to keep talking while I read. Uh, oh, that's yeah, the craziest rule change we already asked him. Thanks, thanks, Dr. Awesomeberry. That, that was the guy's name on Twitter. Is Dr. Awesomeberry. Dr. Awesomeberry. Okay. Uh, I won't call him Mr. Awesomeberry. Um, all right, Scott. This is kind of on topic. Scott Aifsky wants to know how many expansion draft – he put it in quotes, so I guess he's on board with the whole thing not being a draft. <laughs> how many expansion draft trades – will happen in terms of he means in terms of protecting guys like trades that will set things up so they don't they don't have to expose so and so he's over under yep. two and a half I, I, I think, think it'll be over, over. I, yeah, I, I think, think there's going to be I think there's going to be a lot more and, and certainly when you get into teams trading guys to get around having to expose guys and, and that sort of thing I think you'll see a ton of those but yeah no if if Las Vegas is smart that's what they'll do and I think it's gonna be interesting because there will be trades to prevent las vegas from picking a certain guy like they'll be like you know you know what i mean like you know like hey if you don't take this guy off our list we'll give you a third round pick but there there will also be trades to get them to take a guy if a guy's got a bad salary or something like that they'll say you know like hey man what 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 would it take for us to get you to pick him take him off our cap you guys have to hit the floor anyways uh i think you'll see that i i do think that one other thing uh, just just on the topic of the expansion draft that that uh that I do think people haven't totally thought through is I, I've seen there's a lot of panic over like the guys with the no movement clauses. Like Chris Johnson had that list, I think it was last week, where he basically yeah. got the full list from the league, 60 something guys that cannot be uh, exposed in the expansion draft because they have no movement clauses. And I, I feel like people are missing the fact that players can waive that clause. And right. I think in a lot of cases, they will. Like I, I don't, if you're a player, you know, and your team comes to you and says, we want to expose you in the expansion draft. Are you really going to be like, no, I'm invoking my clause, and they're like, okay, so we lost a very good young player instead, and now the fans all hate you. Uh, you know, like, if you're Dion Phaneuf, would you, are you really going to tell the Ottawa Senators, like, no, you have to lose Mark Mathot or Cody Cece or somebody like that, because I don't want to go in a draft that I'm 99% not going to get picked in anyways. Like, we, like guys wave their no-trade clauses to go to other cities all the time. Is this really that different? Yeah, but if you waive your no trade clause for that situation, it's waived forever, so they can just trade them to somebody else. Like, you know, no, what I it's mean? not. Like it's later. no, no. There's, there's no uh, you, you, uh, no trade clause and a no movement clause can be waived 
at the player's discretion, it doesn't. The only time it goes away is if a player is traded before their no trade clause kicks in, which is like the PK Subban loophole that came up this year, which is both. which is garbage. No, no. If you if you you can waive your no trade, say I will waive my no trade clause to go to to accept this trade to whoever. You still bring that clause with you. I don't. Think it's so. still yeah. I, th- I thought that was I thought that was the I thought that was a reason why somebody didn't want to waive their no trade clause like not su- not the Subban trade but I thought that happened before where a guy waived I'm trying to think of who it was there's was, I could have sworn there was someone who did that and then like they they no longer not Subban but they 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 lost their they lost their no trade for good well I'll tell you what give me about two minutes here while right, so- I just talk for a little while and I'm going to because I feel like. Yeah, find the guy here. I'll just, I'll, I'll just, I'll just, I'll just, I'll just vamp. I'll just, I'll just kill some time here. Yeah, so I'm in the vice office, and there's like a big giant photo of like two soldiers doing like cartwheels over each other. I think they're soldiers. I don't know what's going on. It's either like a really cool like, like um. So like, yeah, and there's like, there's like two guys. Dave, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Oh, but... hey, what's going on? Okay, so uh, this I I asked this exact question. I, I won't say to who, but to an NHL agent. So this is this is somebody who presumably knows what they're talking about. And uh, yeah, I, I asked, first of all, why is it that players like P.K. Subban lose their clause? And, and his answer was the thinking is that the acquiring team isn't bound by other teams' decision if the player is uh, not eligible for a clause to apply, et cetera, et cetera. Um, that makes which, no sense. Which, again, makes no sense because you're bound by everything else. It's right. not like if you trade for a player, you're like, we don't like the salary. And that was, <laughs> you, you agreed to that with, uh, and... And, and yeah, and even th- this this agent says that yeah he he can't really explain it. But then I said to be clear, a player who has a no trade clause but waves it to move somewhere does not lose that no trade clause going forward. Is that correct? Uh, and his his answer he he sent me back a screenshot from the uh, from the CBA uh, that uh, that basically says no. And and his answer was yes. The player who waves once the no trade clause goes into effect has that no trade clause travel with them. And again, this is coming from an NHL agent. This was me doing journalism. This wow. was like, uh, yeah, what's going on here? Digging in, uh, because mainly because I was so confused, and I was going to write about how stupid the PK Subban thing was. And whenever I start writing about how something doesn't make any sense, there's always that voice that goes like, maybe it does make sense, and you're the one who's missing something. So, uh, but in this case, no. So yeah, you you waive your no. I'm assuming it would apply for no movement clause as well. Uh, that travels with you, so you could wave to be exposed, get picked up by the uh, Vegas Golden Knights, and you still have a no movement clause uh, or no trade clause or whatever else with you. Lesson lesson learned today on this episode of Biscuits. By the way, never I think, question me again, David. I, I'm, I'm just realizing right now at the top of the show, I never said biscuits, did I? When I, when I was introducing everybody, welcome to Biscuits. Uh, we're we're about to wrap things up here on the show now. <laughs> that whole thing uh, was just a preamble. Hit the hit the opening yeah, music. Sponsored by uh, Biscuits. Um, we do one, we do one more real quick one. Uh, Let's do. It. What do we got here? This guy this guy wants to know if we think the Avalanche are going to stay where they are for the rest of the season. Uh, yeah, I don't think they're going to relocate. I think they're going to stay. Yeah, in Denver. that would be a surprise. Yeah, I, I don't see them going anywhere. No, they're bad. They're bad. They're not. They're they're not. They're not bad. Bad, but they're they're bad in relation to the rest of the division. So they're kind of, they're kind of screwed. They should, they should like, they should petition to relocate to the Pacific division where I think Vancouver now is four points out of the division lead because it's just a God awful tire fire. They, they should. Yeah. And, and I wrote about this this week, like Avs are in a tough spot cause they're bad, but they can't really rebuild cause they're pretty young. Like it's, it's not like you just, right. uh, you know, Oh, well, we're not going to be good now. Let's trade a bunch of like, they're like, they'll trade Jerome again. That's going to be a real fun, Oh, story to done. watch at the oh, he's, at he's the trade dead. deadline but he's a, he's yeah like oh, five but, points oh my god yeah but somebody's gonna somebody will trade for him just for his gritty leadership mm-hmm. compete level and, and all of that and and just have him in the dressing room like they, they'll they'll get something for him for sure all right well i think that's all the time we have for today um i want to thank all of our readers for subscribing and picking up the paper and listening to us today um yeah, you can find my stuff on Vice. You can find it at the Comeback. You can find it at Uproxx. I got a whole bunch of stuff. Just go to the go to the Twitter. There's all kinds of links and, and Twitter handles and whatnot. And uh, Sean, you got anything you want to you want to pump as the people are standing outside the conference room right now, glaring at us? <laughs> uh, I you can find my stuff on Vice, Sportsnet, the Hockey News, uh, other spots. But yeah, just follow me on Twitter at Down Goes Brown, and uh, I'll link everything from there. 
And by the time this comes out, I'll probably have the Friday grab bag up on Vice Sports in which I spend a lot of time ranting about uh, something else about the NHL that is making me very angry. I'm a very angry person this week. Get after it. Get after it, Angry Sean. And thanks to thanks to Tim. Tim Barnes, our this producer, Canadian for si- anger. sitting there and listening to our, our conversation like a little weirdo eavesdropping on us. And uh, thanks for all the readers for uh, for reading this week. And we'll, we'll see you next week. Bye, everybody. This week's podcast is presented by Ticketmaster. Ticketmaster has more tickets to more games, shows, and events than any place else and provides the most safe and transparent fan experience. That's because Ticketmaster only sells verified tickets backed up by official partnerships, which means they're all real and you will never get fake tickets. Head to Ticketmaster.com slash NHL to score verified tickets to this year's 2016-17 NHL season. That's Ticketmaster.com slash NHL. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.